Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. <laughs> Mothers, I am AJ Orsini, once again joined by the master of deception himself, Deceived Dave. Dave, are you here, buddy? Oh, yeah. oh hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> what the fuck? You had, did you have an aneurysm? What is, uh, I, uh, no, dude, that's, that's pure enthusiasm. <laughs> it all came out as, he had so many things to say, it all condensed himself into <laughs> one guttural sound. I just get back. Hey, you here? <laughs> hey. Yep, that's it, dude. That's it. Get ready. Oh, man. Prepare for the worst. So here's – let's start off here at the beginning and just inform everybody that there has been some decisions made oh. behind the scenes here. Okay. Uh, there's been some decision-making done here. Uh, I've When I started this podcast, I was releasing these episodes on Wednesday. Right. Uh, it worked out well for me in the beginning because schedule wise, right. and it was an homage to a Ooh. certain uh, group of friends that I had. We used to have some very special Wednesdays, so I wanted to keep the tradition alive. When the schedule said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, can't do it no more," I switched it to Saturday, and that's right. where it's been ever since. Well, uh, we're gonna have to move again. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, I think personally, I've been very good with not moving the schedule around too much in the course of what are we approaching now, our fourth year. A lot of podcasts will just drop it when they drop it. I, that That's not me. I've at least tried and attempted to keep a regular schedule going. Uh, but if I've got to move it, I've got to move it. Shit's got to be done. Shit's got to be made. So we're recording this now Sunday morning, and I'm not entirely sure that we'll continue to do that but i know that moving forward i will be releasing on sunday we're okay. not releasing on saturdays anymore whenever we record is whenever we record but i'm going to now wait till sunday to release and before you ask me no i'm not setting a time this time because i feel that i've been keeping my show prime time on purpose because i feel a lot of people you know either during wrestling or before or after wrestling was always a good time for me to release uh, I'm finding out now that apparently the world is on the internet at all times. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Never. The internet is the new place that never sleeps. Yeah, uh, apparently this is a new thing now with the kids. that They're on it all the time. Right, right, So right, I, right, I, I'm sure. not going to box myself into a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now my mentality is the sooner the better. Like as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to put it up. 
so that it's out of the way and I can continue with my day because I have to leave here at some point and head to New Jersey to be a manager for a really badass tag team. I've got a show. Oh. To, I got a show today, so I got nice. I got to get out of here. But I do want to let everybody know that it's not late. Today's episode's not late. Today's the first one that's actually on time for the new date. So suck it, Samwise. Uh, so I just want to let people know that moving forward, and I'll make the announcement on social media, and I'll move forward with the promotional stuff as we go down the weeks that we're going to be moving the release uh, date to Sundays now. Okay. So it gives us a little bit more time. We don't have to feel crunched leading into the weekend or whatever. It just gives us a nice little barrier. And just in case I don't make it to Sunday, then y'all going to have to wait till Monday. I'm not listen, listen to me when I say this to you folks. I'm committed to the weekly thing. I'm still doing the weekly thing. But I got shit to do. And Dave's got shit to do. So we will get to this motherfucker when we get to this motherfucker. I'm sorry. That's just, that's just the way it's gonna have to be. I've given What's you it? four consistent years. Daddy's slagging off for year four. He's gonna Ugh. do what he's gonna do. And that's just it is what it's gonna be. That's that's it. It is what it is. <laughs> Uh, I actually texted Dave a while ago, a couple days ago. I said, you know what? With SummerSlam and All Out and we have the 200th episode, so much wrestling going on that I was like, maybe for this episode we take a break. And then mm -hmm. <laughs> we have a new WWE champion. That's why I was so thrown by it, to be honest <laughs> with you. I was so prepared to not talk about yes, any of this at all. I know. I know. Biggie becomes the WWE champion. All right, we've got stuff going on with AEW. We've got new, new opportunities overseas. Everything seemed to be opening up this week, and I still resisted. I still resisted. I said, you know what? We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. <sighs> and then, <laughs> and then the documentary hit. Mm. Return of Dark Side of the Ring, the second half of season three. They opened up the second half with the plane ride from hell. These guys are hell-bent to fucking <laughs> destroy this company, man. They, they, I, they, the dark side of the ring guys, I feel like at this point, just have to be laughing. They're targeting. They're targeting. Uh, they have to be Where's laughing. Where's HR? I don't even believe for a second they... Like, they're picking topics that are well-known topics. It's not like they're unearthing anything new for wrestling fans. These are all topics that everyone, to a degree, knows something about. But right. they're unearthing. They're, they're digging up these memories from the past, and they're discovering things, I promise you, they didn't probably even anticipate that they would be running into. As a matter of fact, and I don't want to plug it, but I think next week... If it's not already up now, I'll double check. But the guys from uh, Dark Side of the Ring, they're going to be interviewed about the second half of this season by Cornette on his show. And I cannot absolutely wait to hear what the hell they have to say about this upcoming season based on how the reaction of the opener has been. I don't know if this is the reaction they wanted from their show. <laughs> But this is the this is the reaction that they're getting. It's all negative. All of this is like what the fuck. Right. On both sides, by the way. It's people from inside the industry who are saying, "God damn it, why are you 
spreading all this shit. Shut the fuck up. And then it's the other side going, wow, wow, I didn't realize all this was happening. This is crazy. Right. And and this is becoming such a, a reoccurring theme about all the stuff that used to, quote unquote, be normal back in the day in the in the wrestling biz. And now you're starting to see a lot of the contention between some of the younger performers and some of the older one. Now you're starting to see why generationally some of this stuff is not going down the way that it used to. I know people will sit here and argue, well, the style is different or people are just not as talented or they're just not as big. They don't have the look. There's a lot of internal stuff that happens that you're just now and, and people will give me flack because I run a podcast and a lot of insiders who run podcasts tend to give a lot of insider information, but we're not doing anything right now that the WWE or AEW or any other major promotion in the entire world isn't already doing. A lot of the information that's being given to these people are given to them from the companies. Right. This is all they're interviewing. These, these yes, guys. they're interviewing these guys. And these guys are on camera saying it themselves. Fucking singing, dude. <laughs> singing. Oh, you should have seen the mushroom stamp I left on this bitch's forehead the other day. <laughs> they 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 are sitting here telling the fucking stories and That's incriminating it. themselves to a whole nother degree of They need just, money, man. The fucking struggle. <laughs> which is fine. I, you know what? Your reasoning is beyond me. Even if they were getting paid a nickel, if they're going to tell the story, they're going to tell the story. But what happens now is we're we're beating around the bush, but I'll go ahead and say it. The Plane Ride from Hell episode. Uh, again, a topic that is, to a degree, pretty well-known amongst the hardcores, especially those who have been following since then. I doubt very seriously any of the newer fans from the last 10 years know that much about it except for what they hear in conversation from others but for those of us who lived it we know a little bit about it we obviously didn't know that's why it feels like targeting man it's like they know how people are today and how much of an uproar it would cause today so yeah redo it so that we can ignite reignite whatever you know yeah God knows how long they've been sitting on this episode because this is the second half of a season they had already uh, recorded. It was already in the can. It wasn't like these are new episodes they're just now putting together. Right. They've been sitting on this for a minute. So I don't know if this was recorded during that time in which the world had kind of sunk in on itself right before actually you joined the show. We had about a two or three episode span here on this podcast where we discussed the infamous hashtag speaking out movement, where all of the women in wrestling, just in general, Mm -hmm. were just coming out of the woodwork. Oh, this is what's been happening to me, and this is what's been happening to me. And they've been telling their stories, and a lot of those stories were being verified by other people, and this is what happened, and all that stuff. Matter of fact, right here, I did a a live episode on it. I I gave the women a platform. Come on in here and bury every motherfucker who's ever done some shit to you. Right here, uh, I got it in front of me, episode 144. It was actually called Hashtag Speaking Out. This was an opportunity for those who have not had a platform in the past. Bless you. Salud. Uh, To be able to uh, tell their story without 
any worries about being told, you know, hey. Just shut your mouth. Keep it to a minimum. Or, or what did they say in the documentary? Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Just don't sell it. Just eat it. You know, just whatever. I, I didn't want them to do that. I wanted them to have at least one podcast where they would be able to just let it out. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And we went live. And there were people. That, this was when the phone number worked. So we had call-ins and, t- and typing into the chat and all kinds of shit. Not just in-ring performers who were hitting the show up. But fans who were women. Who were like, I can't even go to shows anymore. People grabbing on me, talking to me. It's just all kinds of stupid shit. So I gave them a platform to do that. I wasn't the only one. I'm not special. But the point is, is that this this episode kind of brings it all back up again. And I think the bigger topic of discussion is the is wasn't what Rick did being the sexual assault situation in the galley with Heidi, the flight attendant. Heidi, the flight attendant, had quite a quite a night. That one lonesome night in Europe. Uh, not just Rick either. She told stories about every fucking body that was on that plane trying to get a slice, mm. and she went chapter and verse. And there's a whole lot that she said on the documentary that is uh, verifiable through court documentation. But as an example of what I'm talking about. As far as the mentality of some of the men when they hear shit like this. I got two messages after I announced on my Facebook that I would be talking about this on the show. I got two messages from people. Now, mind you, they weren't public. They came to my messages, right? And I didn't do anything besides just read it and make a a, a few responses. But they basically told me, well, hell. She told this story about Rick, and she told this story about this person, this, and this, and this. There's even more that wasn't reported. Check this out. And it's documentation involving Dustin Runnels. And it's documentation for this person and that person, stuff that wasn't on the documentary. And I just, I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, you're missing the whole point. We get that other people did bad shit. That's the point. That everyone did bad shit. You don't, we don't need... None of this document, the documentation I'm being shown privately is all mm-hmm. stuff that's been settled out already. There's nowhere right. further you can go with this information. You're just fanning the flames. The other message that I got was the other one, and I'm going to, it was a picture, and I'll bring this up because I saved it. I wanted to bring it here on. I wanted to bring it to the show for the people to hear. So the, the stewardess in question, who went on to this episode and made all of these claims. Apparently, here it is. There's a, I got a mug shot in front of me. Okay. Uh, the woman and another, the woman named Heidi, who was the flight attendant on this, on this plane, and another gentleman by the name of Rod, Rob Scott were arrested at some point. I don't have a year in front of me, but uh, they were arrested. In a, they, were, they worked together in a consignment store burglary. They stole jewelry, diamonds and, and necklaces and all kinds of shit. About a, they had a $1,000 reward out for her, for her arrest. They had a warrant out for her. And I guess the whole thing got taken care of, I guess, because you don't hear much about it. But this is the leaps that people are making. Well, she said all this shit about what happened to her on the plane, but look at this. She's a jewel thief. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with one or the other? 
So because she stole some diamonds, let's rape the bitch. Is that where is that where we're headed with this? I don't understand. Fair game. She's she's fair game at this point. She's also broken the rules. Yeah, but, I don't know if those yeah, two are fucking wild. Dude. I don't think that's like how much time did it take for you? To <laughs> like, dude, out? I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her stealing a necklace doesn't unrape her. I don't, right, I don't right. know if you understand. Now we're not claiming rape here on the show. We are, are we are going to go with sexual harassment at the very least. I'm not entirely sure if the sexual assault charge stuck, so I can't even say sexual assault. But the claim itself was harassment. So we can go that far right. and say that at least it was sexual harassment. We're not making any other official claims outside of that. But from this episode, from the parts that you did see, you didn't get a chance to finish all of it. What were your thoughts on the episode and some of the antics that were going on on this plane? Well, I mean, I didn't really get that deep. It just it started out with just a bunch of people going crazy on a plane. And then I fell asleep in my chair. <laughs> I'm getting so the, all these things late, man. Well, not late. It's not that you gave it to me late. It's just I when I first started to watch it, it was late. And then you reminded me about it. I was like, oh, shit. Then I went back to try to watch it again, and I fell asleep. Well, for this particular situation, <laughs> I gave it to you when I got it. Right, right, right. No, so no, no. Was, like I said, was, that's why I wanted to reiterate. Entirely, yeah. It wasn't that you gave it to me late. That had yeah. nothing to do with it. It was just timing. Was so in the, beginning of this, in the beginning of this, they laid out kind of how this plane ride even took place, right? So they take a select number of superstars that are on the roster, just enough to really put a show together, right? And they put them on this plane and they send them to Europe. It's a tour. They they do about, I'll say about four or five live events in in random countries, which is Germany. It's good money. I remember what I'm saying. Like this this run is, is good money. Yeah. And uh, they end it with a big pay-per-view, the Insurrection pay-per-view, which I used to love when I was a kid back in the day. Because I got to see them perform in, in, in front of different types of audiences. So that was always fun to watch as an American. It was always fun to watch the people out in the UK go crazy because they're fucking maniacal. It's like soccer fans that go nuts for wrestling. So that was always pretty cool. And we get to... So they had the, they chartered the plane, and the plane... Uh, it's the same crew for the whole tour. So the same stewardesses, the same pilots, everybody. It's the same people for the for the whole tour. So these are the same people that took them to Europe in the first place. They're also the same people that traveled with them to the different countries. And they've even gotten a chance somewhere along the line to kind of hang out with the, with the staff and the crew of the plane. There's many stories on the documentary about meeting up with the stewardesses at the bar or whatever the case may be, right? So there's some socialization there already in place. So then we get to the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view is going to take place. At the end of that, they're going to get their shit together. We're going to head back to the States. That's the idea. They got brought to do one Monday. And they did a really good job, I thought, of setting up, you know, I think uh, Just Incredible said it the best. He was just like, you know, this this is the tour where you make a ton of money you know, even if you're an underneath guy, right? Because there's just so much money to be made in Europe, and they sell out every show and everything like that. Right. So everyone's on in positive spirits. They get paid here, so everyone's in positive spirits. Everything's going good. Now we get to the plane ride that has to go back from Europe back to the states, and this is where it all kind of falls off the rails. Damn, because, dude! Just one more leg, man. Uh, We're the, almost that last home. Last leg. 
Uh, they have to travel, from what I understand from the documentary, it's an eight-hour flight to get back to where they got to go. And they get to the plane, they get their bags together, everyone is there, and I'll get into the who everyone is in a second. Uh, everyone gets there, they're in the plane, they're on the tarmac, they're ready to go, and weather conditions are delaying the flight. So they're saying, no, we've got some weather conditions, you don't have to disbar, but you have to just wait it out, and once we get the all clear, we're good to go. They end up being on the tarmac for seven hours. Oh, so they just got bored. They got they were on the tarmac for seven hours, then they had to do an eight hour flight. At the end of the documentary, they had threw the, thrown the number out that the whole ordeal was about fourteen hours. So I'm thinking the pilot kind of hauled ass toward the end there and just said, Fuck all this nonsense. I'm shaving this down. Eight hours to seven hours. We gotta get the fuck out of here. Mm. And uh so basically they were together for about fourteen hours. To give you an idea of what they did to kill time during right. this wait, the stewardess gave an excellent, I thought, example of what exactly is going down here on this plane. Those push carts, they are filled with trays. Uh-oh. They, have, they have one that is for booze and liquor. And as part of the charter, they're allowed to serve these individuals alcohol at basically their own discretion however you know they just keep it coming right because it's a custom we we've chartered this flight so the stewardess gave an amazing example and she says for as long as i've had a career here those carts we they they have several carts with booze in it Mm -hmm. and she goes there's never been a flight that i've ever been chartered on where we've ever ran out of liquor on an, an entire cart never once did i ever run out on an entire cart. Now, I'm sure she's dabbled between carts to get different types of booze, but there's never been a situation where one cart was completely empty. On this flight, three were empty. Mm. She's never seen one, and on this flight, three were empty. That's how many bottles they went through on this flight. Now, who's on this flight? You got to wonder. Who, what kind of jabrones are we talking about? Nope, none of those. These were the creme de la creme, my friend. You've got The Undertaker. You've got Kevin Nash. You've got Scott Hall, Tommy Dreamer, Rob Van Dam, Ric Flair, Kurt Henning, Brock Lesnar. You've got agents, all the top agents, Michael Hayes. You've got Vince McMahon. You've got Linda McMahon on this flight. You've got Jim Ross. You've got a, lit- a litany. I'll, this is the who's who. This is the creme de la creme. Terry you Rose, get no Gold dust. You've got the best of the best on this flight. Right. Okay. These are these are the talents. They're on the flight. And getting ripped to shreds. Getting ripped to shreds. Now here's <laughs> the thing. Not everyone's getting ripped. There's a oh, few people God. on here who are sober as a bird. Buzz killers. Not necessarily buzz killers. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the problem. I think in this particular situation. They should have been buzz killers. That's where Jim Ross lands on this. So Jim Ross, who was the executive vice president at the time, he was the one in charge of talent relations. On this documentary, I have to be honest and I have to be consistent. Jim does not come across looking very good in this documentary. And I think as the documentary progresses, I think he starts to realize that. He gets better? No. 
he oh. it, it gets worse <laughs> and worse and worse and worse. And it's I think, towards the end, he's like, "Holy shit, I'm at, an asshole." <laughs> yeah, at the end of it, he kind of I'm not gonna say makes an excuse, but. He takes ownership of the situation. He said, it was my job to take care of these guys. It was my job to keep control on this plane, and I didn't do it. Which is, a, which is the right statement you're supposed to make when and if it is your job. But he also kind of stated, you know, I'm not really anybody's babysitter. These are all adults here. How am I? No, 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 no. He's kind of talking out of both sides of his face. <laughs> because you... You you have to know in some situations when you are the babysitter and when you're not. Right. Sometimes when you're hanging out with your friends, you have to be aware. Maybe I should be the responsible one here today. Right. Because my friends just may need it. You never know. And for a lot of these people, they're not just coworkers; they are friends. And he said throughout the course of the documentary, you just hear you hear him say the same thing over and over and over. I made a mistake. This this was a mistake. And Tommy Dreamer said it. You know, Vince is on this flight, and, pe- and people criticized Vince for not being more hands-on. But at the same time, Tommy said it perfectly. Vince makes the decisions, and at the time, based on the position that Jim had, Jim's the one who's supposed to execute them. And he didn't. Right. These motherfuckers ran absolutely wild, and they did it on his watch. So while he takes ownership of it, and I respect him for doing that because that's a hard thing to do, especially as this documentary rolls through and it's bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. He takes ownership of it, but at the same time, he kind of doesn't. Right. And that's, you know, I was a little disappointed. And not just in him, but in so many people that I call mentors to me. And that leads me to Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer is an awesome fucking guy. I'm not going to let anyone sit here and assassinate his fucking character. He's an awesome fucking guy. He's been nothing but great to so many talents locally on the independent scene. Great to talents with the people he's worked with, with Impact Wrestling, and the time that he was with the WWE. He's a cool dude. But sometimes, sometimes, Tommy has an issue with perhaps being a little too loyal. And I think that's what this situation is. I mm. think he felt the need to back his boy. And I got no problem with people who want to back their friends. But if you're going to back your friend, you should probably back your friend during a time where he's not necessarily the aggressor. Rick did something really, really bad here. Right. And by defending him, you have now associated yourself with this behavior. Co-signed Tom, the behavior. Yeah, you're you agree yourself. with it. Yes, Exactly. And that's the real reason why Tommy's name is even involved in any of this. The situation that I am referring to, and I apologize now if I seem like I'm kind of dominating the conversation here. I'm going to get Dave more involved in what we're doing, but I'm trying to lay the land out for people who haven't seen this yet. The situation with Rick. So a lot of the stewardesses and a lot of the talent on this documentary put Rick over heavy. Even the stewardesses. You know, they put Rick over heavy because Rick, at the beginning of all this, was the hero. He was, they called him the captain of the football team, right? All the jocks, and he was the man. Right. This was the, this is, this is Rick Flair we're talking about. He's the big tipper, you know, big leaves, the big tip. <laughs> he, he, no pun intended, based on what we're about to <laughs> discuss. But you know what I mean as far as like gratuity. 
You know, he's he he likes to throw money around. He likes to drink heavy, party heavy. He's the life of the party. Everyone's coming up to Rick. Hey, let's get some stories, Rick. Let's get some stories. He's the man. Mm-hmm. And everyone put him over. Even even knowing where the story was headed, the stewardesses were like, yeah, he's the best. Right. right. And he's Ric Flair. He's the man. Look, it, aside from the whole touching me when yeah, I don't want him yeah, to, he's kind of dope. Now that we're moving past he's a cool dude, let's talk about this uncool shit that he did. So apparently Ric Flair... And I'm not feel the room, bro. Yeah, Ric Flair has what they call the gimmick. Uh, he's got a particular rib that he does, and it's well known within the industry. The fans have heard it a thousand times. Every shoot conversation, Rick has told the story, so I'm not talking out of school here. But there's a gimmick where Rick puts on his Nature Boy robe, whether it be like at a at a live event or at hotel lobby or hallway or whatever the case may be it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and rick puts on the old nature boy robe and nothing else he's just out in the breeze just out rick and the boys right he's just chilling (laughs) and you didn't get to see this part but i had to literally pause because tommy dreamer said something that was entirely pausable okay they're talking about the robe situation Rob Van Dam called it the high spot. That's the high spot. When Rick wants to really get a laugh out of you, he puts the old robe on. He's booty butt naked, and he just walks around, and he does this helicopter thing with his thang. All right? Every guy who's hearing my voice knows the helicopter routine. He does the helicopter routine. The the helicopter gimmick. Yeah, the old helicopter gimmick. Every guy has ran that gimmick at least once or twice to an unsuspecting female. It's happened before. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so he's got this gimmick deal, and the, the the most uncomfortable part of this whole description is the way that Dreamer describes it. Everyone's talking about it, but he's the one who describes it the weirdest because he's like, you know, Rick's got the robe on, he's doing the swinging thing, and he wanted to make sure everyone knew, you know, he's not using his hands, by the way. He has a way that no. he moves his hips and does his thrust. Oh, he didn't but get it, in that detail, did Wait, he? wait, 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 wait for the end, wait for the end spot. He goes, he starts moving his hips. He starts thrusting it around like that, and it does a helicopter. You know, he's the nature boy for a reason. He's got a hammer on him. And I immediately had to pause. Like, because it both, was a, both, because, both physically and metaphorically? Yes, I said, it, I said it out loud, and then I actually paused it because <laughs> I, needed, I needed to register that he said this shit on national television. So you can't be talking about another man's knob like this, bro. You sound like a fan, bro. Are you subscribed? What's up? I don't care how many times you've jokingly seen or accidentally, dude. You're not supposed to talk about another man's stick, dude. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. It's just, that's an uncomfortable. That's fucking weird. He's just like, yo, Rick's got a hammer on him. And I'm like, bro. A hammer? Why are you describing What are we doing? (laughs) He could have. He would have been awkward if he said "well endowed," but he had me awkward when he said moving his hips and thrust. When he oh, so we were expecting. I was no, no, no. I still didn't think he'd go that far. I thought the worst of it was the moving his hips and thrust. So I'm already in a bad spot. I'm like Tommy, what are you doing? And then he hits me with the fucking. He's got a hammer, hammer on him, and I'm like, oh, come on, Tommy, stop talking. You're getting yourself, you're getting yourself put out I there, bet bro. that scene happened so fast, like, like, he didn't even say it. it was, he He's got lost in it. That's, that's the kind of shit that I probably talk about. All, I'm like, oh, bro, don't do that. Oh, you should have said, you should have seen it. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. You had to be but there. You had, yeah, it had to be in the moment, but uh, yeah. 
hammer comment That's aside. Hilarious. So this is a thing that Rick has done in the past. Where it gets crazy now is that he's on a plane. There's nowhere really to go. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can go back to your hotel room and laugh. Ha, 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 I just showed everyone my dick. You're on a plane. So he does the whole gimmick. He's running around the plane. He gets to the galley. The galley is the section of the plane where all the stewardesses, where all the stewardesses hang out. That's where all the supplies and stuff are, the food, the beverages, and in this case, the alcohol. And Flair goes back there, and one of the stewardesses, her name is Heidi, I have the last name here, but who gives a shit? It's Heidi. And mm-hmm. he starts talking to her, and he's just like, hey, why don't you touch it? Let's just see where this goes. Say, so, hey, why don't you touch and it? And he's harassing, and he's getting he's getting obnoxious, and he's touching, and he's physically you know, doing things, and she's trying to get the fuck out of there. And eventually someone steps in, and I forgot who it was. They step in, and she gets away, and... She goes on with her evening. She got to a point, because it happened to her a bit, not just Rick, but there were other wrestlers that were just all over her, to the point where she went to the galley and she never came back. And that made everyone else even more mad, because they still want liquor. They said, give me more booze, as if they needed any more. Right, right. No, for sure. It's fading. You yeah. need to- so I'm going to get back to the sexual harassment thing. I, I opened up with it so that I could talk to you guys more seriously about that later on. But there's more to this plane ride. So let me give you to another one. So rib, right? Everyone at this point knows rib. Rib is a practical joke. That's the jargon. They pulled rib on me, you know, a practical joke. And there was a rib that happened on this plane ride. That if it would have happened to me, I would have been equally pissed as the person that fucking it happened to. So, let's go to the X-Pac situation for a second. Okay? Well, what he do? Here, I'm going to tell you right now what he did. So, X-Pac at this point in time, this is 2002. So, X-Pac's big run, I'll say 99 and 2000, right? This is when X-Pac is just white hot. He's one of the what best superstars on the show, period. He, he's just one of the top guys. But he's not being promoted. He's not being used as a main event guy. And in the WWE, even though one guy makes the final decisions, it is kind of discussed as a committee. And Michael Hayes, apparently, I'm not saying this has fact. This is what was stated on the documentary. Michael Hayes was not a huge X-Pac guy. Mm. Didn't think he was a main event guy. He liked the kid, liked the athleticism, liked the matches. Just didn't think... He fit on top against some of the guys that, you know, were already there. And so constantly just disrupting the push. And, and I'm not going to use the frame, the term holding him back. It's an overused frame, but Michael was in the way. And one of the comments he used to make a lot during the meetings was that straggly hair. Oh, my God, that hair, that stupid ponytail he's been rocking. As the NWO guy, he started wearing ponytails. Right. So he's like, oh, that stupid ponytail and that greasy looking hair. And he used to make fun of Xbox hair a lot. So now we're on this plane, several bottles deep. Everyone's fucking balling oh, out. Everyone's he going starts nuts. telling them how he really feels. So Michael Hayes, he's bombed out of his mind. I mean, he is glug, 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 glug. He is fucked up. And earlier, remember I tell you the pay-per-view took place before the plane ride. Bradshaw had gotten busted open 
on pay-per-view. Hard way. It was an accident, but he got cut open. So he's on this plane with stitches and with a bandage. Because of that, the real alcoholic drinker on this flight can't drink, which is Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. So Bradshaw is like, you know what? Fuck all this noise. I'm just going to go to sleep. So he went to sleep. Hayes is bombed out of his fucking mind. So he, he's talking to some of the boys, and he sees Bradshaw off to the side, and he goes, watch this. And he walks over to Bradshaw and just hauls off and punches this nigga right in the head where the stitches are and reopens the wound, and he's bleeding again. So you know how when you get startled and you just reach out and you, like, grab whatever it is that's, like, touching you or whatever? Bradshaw wakes up from a punch to the head. It must have been a shitty punch because all he did was just wake up. He's drunk, so he probably ain't got a, he probably ain't got all his mustard in. He ain't got no oomph in yeah, it. Yeah, he ain't got no oomph in it. But it was enough to reopen the stitches. Bradshaw now is aware that someone just hit him in the fucking head because he's bleeding from the fucking head. And he looks at the guy that he's grabbing is Michael Hayes, and Michael Hayes is laughing. So Bradshaw rears his hand back. No punch. Open palm. Oh, the disrespectful Open attack. palm. Mike Kyoto referee made sure everyone knew. No punch. He didn't punch it. It was an open palm. Slap. He hit this nigga with the power of a thousand suns <laughs> <laughs> and knocked him out. Michael Hayes was knocked out on this plane from an open hand palm. And the way they described it, it was almost like Goku summoned his ancestors. Hmm. And just fucking smited, him. smited this motherfucker right across the goddamn face. Smacked him into the previous week. And Michael Hayes goes down. Now, in true laughing, irresponsible behavior fashion, everyone's laughing. Ha, ha, ha. He got knocked out. They're not even checking for a concussion. They're just waking him up. Come on, Mike. Get up, get up, get up, get up. He gets up, and they're giving him more booze. And eventually, he passes out. Right. When he passes out, X-Pac's drunk ass goes, give me a pair of scissors. So he goes and he gets a fucking pair of scissors. Somebody's gear bag has some scissors in it. And they got Michael, Michael, I keep saying Michael Cole. Michael Hayes is sitting on this flight chair. (laughs) And X-Pac goes behind behind the chair and cuts all of Michael Hayes' fucking hair off. Just cuts Whoa. it all off. Ponytail, all, everything. These dudes are fucking wilding on okay. this plane, man. He takes it off, and he holds it up like a trophy. Everyone's popping. I can't believe this motherfucker just did that. He's a role. He's one of the head agents. This dude is involved with the booking, and this dude just took all his fucking hair off. We're like, wow. In my house, I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> he does this shit. and then, And the funny thing is, though, they said he cut his hair, and they never spoke about it again, right? He cut his hair off. It was funny. Ha, 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 ha. And they left it alone. We fast forward to the end of the documentary. And I'm going to be bouncing around a lot. But we get to the end of the documentary. The plane finally lands. Michael Cole. Michael Cole. Michael Hayes wakes up to the, you know, when, you, when the plane lands, you get that jump feeling. Right. And, yeah, so that woke him up. He wakes up. His head feels about 10 pounds lighter. Mm. He starts reaching back, and he's like, what the fuck? What the, what the fuck? What the fuck? And he's got no hair back there, and he's fucking mad. 
and he's going person to person. Who's the motherfucker? Which motherfucker? And everyone's like, I, "What motherfucker? What? We talk? What? No, what, I don't. What do you talk? Do you? I don't speak English. What happened to? What happened? Como, right. como se llama? What happened? What? What do you? No one snitched. He didn't know who it was at first. I'm pretty sure he even got the X-Pac at one point. X-Pac was like, wait, I don't know. No, hair? What happened to your hair? That's <laughs> fucked up. That's wild. I have no clue, but we'll get these to the dudes, bottom of yeah, this together. Dudes, yeah, yeah. We got, I will not rest, Michael, until we find <laughs> those perpetrators who have put this together. And so, like, he leaves the plane all pissed off. And the, the next night, they're at Raw, right? So it's, they're, they're, they're doing another show. Michael Hayes comes to the building. He has to go talk to the talent. He gets to the locker room, and on the locker room door is a Ziploc with his hair in it. And it still has the same rubber band and everything he had on it on the flight. They never took it off. It's the same. It's in the same, same exact positioning it was when they cut it. Damn. And they taped it to the door, and he was fucking mad as shit. And Jim Ross had to take it down and throw it away, and he was just in disgust of everything that was happening. And, and, I mean, this is the type of shit we're talking about. Scott Hall's on this flight, and he's practically dead. They actually said on the documentary, we, we actually thought he was dead. Mm. We didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know <laughs> if because if, if, he wasn't responding. He wasn't waking up. They were like, how the fuck did we even get him off this plane? And they had called someone in the terminal to bring in a wheelchair, which you can do for normal services, right? That's normally how the disabled uh, passengers get off the plate in the first place. You stand, you wait till everyone gets off. Then they call in the, uh, a, a service provider to come in and, and wheel you off the plane. So they had to call one of those for Scott. And they didn't want to raise any flags. So then the guy brought the wheelchair in. Just Incredible was like, don't worry about it. I'm his friend. I'll, I'll wheel him and I'll bring you back the chair. Now, mind you, they're coming from Europe. So they right. got to go through customs. And Scott's right. dead. <laughs> and they're like we're they're shitting bricks because they're like we're not going to get through customs right we got because, this dead body yeah I mean he's in a chair just like weakened at Bernie's right now he's just fucked up <laughs> and he, they still got through customs he did everything for Scott showed him the picture and oh you know he's having a reaction to the Dramamine and all oh so they stuff. really did weaken at Bernie's they, weak, they had him in the wheelchair and they were like giving him all the information he's having a weird reaction to Dramamine and blah 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 blah, blah. and they let him go and, and, and when they get through Ross is just looking at the whole situation incredible it's like what do you want me to do man I gotta you know it's my friend I can't just I can't just leave him like this but he's practically dead and it's just more shit and more shit. Uh, the part that you saw, which was the Lesnar-Kurt Henning situation, which was basically Kurt, apparently, all the shit that I just said, and Kurt, I haven't even gotten to Kurt, who is the re- who has the reputation of being the ribber. He's the practical joker on the roster. Always has been. Always will be. Up until his death, he was. And he's got an idea. He goes, you know what? I'm a I'm a nationally accredited collegiate wrestler. There happens to be an NCAA heavyweight champion on the plane. I'd like to start some shit. <laughs> Let's see how good this rookie really is. So he right. he walks down the aisle. They got, uh, Brock Lesnar is sitting in his chair, not fucking with nobody that I know of, because they didn't say in the documentary. Kurt Angle comes over. And just hauls off, smacks that nigga in the back of the head. 
<laughs> Full palm. Can you imagine the balls to smack a Brock Lesnar? Even then, even 2002 Lesnar, when he was at his biggest. Right. At his most brolic. And he just hauls off and smacks this dude in the back of the head. So, of course, like a, like a child, right? Because this is what a child would do. He smacks Lesnar, but then he starts fucking sprinting. Oh, and okay. so Lesnar comes out of the chair, and he's flying through the plane because you know he's also he also he's a tank with feathers like he he right. he could move. Mm-hmm. So he goes after Henning, and they have a knockdown drag out fight, a fist fight, right there on the fucking plane. They're grappling, but Lesnar didn't know that this was supposed to be an exhibition. He came to throw hands, so he they're fighting. And they, by the way, folks, they're in the air already. This is not on the tarmac. They're in the air. 30,000 feet in the fucking air. And these two gorillas are fucking going at it. And the stewardesses are telling the story about how these two guys are fighting. And these five foot two, 110-pound women are trying to break them up. Verbally, of course, because they're not going to get in there. No, and, no, no, no. and no one's helping. No one's doing anything. Jim Ross at one point just says, you know, I told him to knock it off. Knock it off. There were actually, there were, I forgot who it was. Was it Dreamer or was it Mike Kyoto? One of them was like, oh, they're play fighting. They're play fighting. I, I'm like, and I'm not on this plane, but I'm like, nah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's it, bro. I don't think that play fighting. I don't think Brock looks like a play fighting yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, I, I, I think he would snuff Sable if she tickled him. She, she tickled him. She if knows she tickling t- is all of it. She t- yeah, if she tickled him on purpose, he would snuff her. So I'm pretty sure getting smacked in the back of the head unsuspectedly did not lead to a tussle. <laughs> I, I think this was kind of a fight. And to prove that it was, as they got more and more aggressive with each other, Henning goes for the double leg and tries to go for a takedown on Lesnar. Lesnar, of course, being an actual Volkswagen doesn't go down so easily and he backs into the emergency door hits the door with his back pushing the lever which sets off the alarm in the red light now i'm not big on planes for that reason exactly i don't want some shit to happen where the door fucking flies open and we how do they say we've lost cabin pressure i'm all set i like my cabin pressure normal at all times i like my cabin pressure yeah so it wasn't until they hit the door where the boys got involved and they were like, all right, you need to stop for real because uh, we're about to die now. So <laughs> if you guys can just hold this beef till we get on the ground, that would be that would be great. So they're fighting. Is anybody keeping score on all of the craziness that's taking place? This is all one flight. This is all one flight. All this is all happening. So another Brock Lesnar story. I'm telling you the whole because I'm trying to get to a point. Brock Lesnar, before they get on this flight, Brock Lesnar decides he wants to pull a rib. And this is before they get on the plane. They're at the show. Somebody calls Terry Runnels. You remember Terry, right? Little Mm she-devil. One of the hottest of the hottest in WWE history. They ask her, hey, such and such wants to talk to you. Can you head over to this locker room or whatever the case may be? So she goes, I'm getting a phone call from Maddie Ming right now. That's odd. He's been dying to get on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you, Matt. We're, you're coming on. Trust me. 
But uh, yeah, see he. So let so they tell Terry Reynolds, hey, why don't you come talk to such and such at this locker room? They want to talk to you. She goes over to the locker room. It's Lesnar in a towel. And he pulls the towel off, and he starts doing the the slap gimmick. You know when you move your dick from. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He's yeah. more of a. He's side more of a slap. thigh slapper. Yeah, he's a thigh slapper. He's not a helicopter guy. Yeah, we don't. We can't confirm that he's got the meat for a helicopter. I guess because Dreamer's not in the room to confirm it for us. Right. No. 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 We he need eyewitness. He, he cannot confirm nor deny the can't, hammer. Yeah. Can't we? We haven't had a confirmation yet on the hammer situation. Maybe Sable will say something in response. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Who knows? But even she's biased about it, so I don't know. I don't maybe know. She'll, maybe she'll clap back. Yeah, maybe she'll clap back. <laughs> Where's my hammer reference for my husband? Where is that at? Yeah, right. So Terry sees, you know, here, you know, the pain bringer, you know, his his, his I don't want to call it hammer because it's unconfirmed, but his his smiter. Right? <laughs> That's what he lays his smite down with. Right, right. She doesn't really Acknowledge too much of it, and she just walks out and she leaves. I guess rumor and you know talk had gone around the locker room, and Dustin Goldust, who is her ex-husband at this time, comes to the locker room and just wants to make sure she's all right, she's okay. Yeah, hey, you're doing okay. I heard what happened. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know more stupid shit. Blah blah blah. And he goes, just to make sure, you didn't sell it, did you? Did you sell it? No, I didn't sell it. And for those of you at home, basically, he's asking if she got upset and made a fucking scene over it, which she didn't. He was like, okay, good, 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 good. Just don't sell it. Just don't sell it. Just don't sell it. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Then we fast forward to the plane in which Dustin is now completely obliterated. Not only is he drunk off his ass, but apparently he was involving himself in some chew. You know, some of that uh, tobacco, the wacko tobacco stuff, or you, the, that Ooh. chew stuff. Little dip. Yeah, a little dip, little dip. And apparently, I've never had this stuff before, but apparently you chew on some shit and eventually spit something out. Oh, no. Don't tell me so he, he was spit on him. No, no, no. He started using the back seats of the chairs as his spit stuff. Ew. So it's not even like one seat. It's like all over the plane is his oh, spit Oh, that shit's making me want to gag. <laughs> so... He's chewing, he's drinking, he's all over the place, and eventually the stewardess gets on the microphone to make an address toward the, the, the people on the plane, because the pilot's now concerned, and Dustin steals the microphone from her and starts singing a song. She said the name of the song, Terry did, on the documentary. I can't remember. It's some country song from some country singer. But apparently the song is about, you know, never losing your true love and and i'll always love you no matter what and blah 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 so he's singing to his ex-wife on this plane with all this shit going on all of a sudden he's you know when you get drunk and all of a sudden you love everybody right, he, right. he misses his ex-wife the pussy was too good i got you got to come back to me please i can't i can't live without you terry this is crazy <laughs> and she's sitting there trying not to show her face and across from her on the plane is paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman just looks at her and just goes, just don't sell it. Just don't sell it. And the producer at this point for Dark Side of the Ring asked her, he was just like, what is this stuff about the no selling? And she just said, she goes, you know, if you're a woman in this industry, it's just easier to just not sell it. It's easier that way. Because if you step up and say something, there's probably going to be something that's going to get done to you, not 
necessarily the person who's doing the thing. So that was a common theme. Just don't sell it. Just don't sell it. Mm. And, and that leads us to our to our wrap-up here. There's more to this, obviously. It's a 47-minute video. I've spoken enough about the certain things that were on there. I brought up the things that I wanted to bring up because there's two things that I wanted to discuss on this show. And I'd love to get your opinion on it because you come from a little bit of a background, obviously, when it comes to sports. Like you're, you're a fan of sports. You've seen it a bunch of times. You know, you know a little something about this when it comes to locker room like behavior. And I can't speak for every generation. I can only speak for mine. And I don't consider myself one of today's generation. I'm 38. I'll be 40 soon. I'm from the previous. I acknowledge that. And to be honest with you, it's not a cool feeling to do that. Because the same oh, people. Why have because, you seen these fucking people? Well, just take but just out, but just hear me separate out. Separate myself. Yeah, just hear me out on this. Just a lot of the people, and I've seen this clap back before, in a locker room. So I know that it's been said before, and I know people don't handle it well when it's said. But there was a guy. I was in a locker room, and I won't say what company, but I was in a locker room time where this dude brought. Uh, one of those travel PlayStations. It like comes in like in a case or something, and it's like something that you travel with. And it's like a mm-hmm. PlayStation version, mm-hmm. and he brought it with him. And he's in the locker room just chilling, not minding his own fucking business, just doing his thing. Right. His match was over. You know, his his work was done. He was just waiting for the end of the show so he can get going. Him and a buddy just said, "Fuck it, I want to rock." Wanted to rock. I think it was Madden. This rocks a Madden or something, right? Whatever. It was some sports game or whatever. Right. So they're playing. Here comes one of these old fogies, right? 40-something years old. God damn, these kids in this fucking video games. My God in heaven. Why don't you go out there and talk to some of the females, you know? Do something, you know, something, 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 something. Always some some old man yells at cloud shit, right? Right, right. And he just looked at it. He literally paused whatever the fuck. I don't even know if he paused it because some of these games you can't pause. I think he just put his fucking controller down, just looked at him and said, what, talk to him like you used to do back in the day and basically fucking rape him? Like, what are you talking about? You're, that's what your generation does. Your generation talks to women unsuccessfully and then fucking tries to rape them. I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm minding my own business. What's the problem? <laughs> and that's what a lot of, what do you want me to do? Drugs? Oh, yeah. these kids in these fucking video games. What do you want me to do? Do an eight ball of fucking heroin behind the scene? Like, what? A, look yeah. at your fucking generation and what it did to itself. I don't want any part of that. And I, you know what? Like I said a second ago, I kind of consider myself one of the older people. But you know what? I got no problem with people doing their own fucking thing. Oh, at, hell no. At all whatsoever. If I, I like being around people that are okay with doing their own fucking thing because that means they're not fucking with me. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem. Like the whole rib thing. You know, I was never, I've been ribbed. I have been iced. If you don't know what that is. Ice is basically okay. Ice is basically you when you when you have a reputation of not really being much of a drinker. What happens is is a member of the locker room who is you know like a flair or like someone who's like a Bradshaw or something like that. They'll put you on the spot in front of the boys and they'll say, "Here, have a drink." It's an ice cold drink. That's where the phrase "iced" comes from. It was an usually an ice cold beer or something like that. You know, take a drink for the boys. Da 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 da. 
And if you didn't take that drink, it'd be an issue. So me, myself, I don't have a problem drinking, obviously. So I got no problem being iced. I've been iced in the ring. I do have a problem with conforming. (laughs) Yeah, I can see where people would have the problem with that. I get it. My problem with the ice came at a time where they do it to people they know don't drink. Right. For instance, like a CM Punk, right? Straight edge. And I'm, and you don't even have to be that serious about it. Just I don't drink. That's just something I don't do. And you know coming in that this person doesn't drink. And then you ice them. And then what happens? They don't drink because I'm not a drinker. And right. now it becomes, oh, he's better than us. He's not one of the boys. He's da 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 These old school mentality rituals that happen in not just wrestling locker rooms. They happen in sports locker rooms all the time. The right. young guys who have to hold the bags and clean up the locker room and all those. The hazing things. and all the that shit. The hazing and the whatnot and the what's it's. Yeah. I took mine. I took mine. But I never did it to anybody else, and I've and, and I do not penalize anybody for not doing it. If, if, when it comes to like modest stuff, hey, let's clean the locker room, or let's keep this clean, or let's not break things like this, or chairs, or microphones, or whatever, that stuff, okay, fine. But the whole carry my bag bullshit, carry my bag. Right. No. <laughs> no. I'm not a not a big fan of that I'm stuff. I'm not carrying your fucking bag. And I know yeah, like no. there was a there was a high profile situation that happened with like Leo Rush where Mark Henry was talking to him and he was like, you know, this is just a traditional thing. No. Just no. no. Fuck your tradition. I'm not doing it. I would carry a bag for someone that needed their bag carried. Ric right. Flair is a thousand years old. If Ric <laughs> Flair said, Hey, you think you can help me with a bag? Yeah, sure. If Ric Flair said, hey, I've got 16 bags, can you hold it? No. There's a bag boy in there for that. At right. The ho- at the hotel. They can come get your bags for you. I'm not carrying your fucking bags in. It's not even a macho thing. It's just I'm lazy. I don't want to carry your fucking bags. No, it's a macho I thing. I don't want to carry you. my fucking bags. Don't ask me to do that. <laughs> you know what you're asking me. Don't ask me to do that. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But your hands are free. You have nothing in your hands. No. Yes. No, especially when I know that's what you're doing. That's the problem. Specifically fucking with me on that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I never understood as a person people who haze or deliberately try to upset someone for a laugh. I I could never comprehend that concept. Yep. So when people did that shit to me, oh my god, I took it as like the utmost disrespect. Oh my god! But I've some lost people some in the industry, some people in the wrestling industry, they take that even that too far. The story on the documentary about the fact that there were people on the plane, not even on the plane, but apparently it happened in the industry as a whole back in those days, where guys would roofie other guys <laughs> just to see them fucked up because they thought it was funny. Yeah. Jim, Jim Ross was like, "You can't leave your drink around anybody in this industry, otherwise you might come around fucked up." That's where Scott Hall to this day still thinks something happened. The reason why he felt like that, he goes, I don't even remember drinking like that. Right. He goes, I had a drink, but before I knew it, I was just all kinds of hazed out and out of it. He still thinks to this day that he was fucking, that that he was given all the shit that was going on on that plane. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't doubt it either. 
fucking doubt it. I don't doubt Take it either. Two drinks and you're KO'd? No, nah, yeah. dude. Fuck that. Somebody put something in my shit. It's like it's like women have enough to worry about as it is, but now even the dudes are getting roofied. I'm like, no, I'm all set. I'm not <laughs> dude, roofing anybody. What are you? Are fucking you a fucking crazy. mind? People are wild, dude. They're fucking crazy. This, this industry is, why, is fucking nuts. This is why I stay home. <laughs> I can't. I don't have the stomach for that shit, man. I don't, I don't think any of that stuff's funny. No, I don't. It's not cool, especially being in the air, dude. I'm fucking terrified of being in the air. Now you got people. You got two behemoths battling it out in the back oh border. Nah, dude, we are dead. I'm trying to make whatever crazy phone call part I can. Is, and the craziest part of the whole story. If you really think about it, it's all this went down while Vince was on the plane. So it wasn't even like they were fearing repercussions from anything. This was just normal, everyday behavior. In my right. biggest part, my biggest takeaway from this entire documentary is two things. And we're going to wrap with this. The first, it being, if your leadership doesn't take a handle to what's happening around them, I really can't blame a lot of the guys. If the guys, yes, you blame them because they're assholes and they're doing the asshole-like behavior. But if the boss is just going to fucking sit there, both of them, not just Vince, but JR, all of them, and say things like, oh, they're just play fighting and they just don't give a shit about the safety and the well-being of everybody else, it's not a place that I want to work. And I know that that was... Unless you're someone who... D- does those behaviors? Oh no, no it's a haven a for you. you. Would love to exactly. Yeah, that's a that's haven. What it for is? You. They love it. That's what it is. It's a it's a plane full of people who either a want to act like that or b willing to just look the other way because it's the culture. And as a boss, I disagree. I don't think it's for him to get up and go out there. He pays someone to do that. I'm gonna fucking avoid it. And the and guy he paid to is. do it didn't do it. Well, that's and, and that's, that's and where that's, and as a that's boss, that's where the repercussions come into play. Yeah. But again, that's something we wouldn't be privy to. So we don't know what he did. He could have fined him. He could have. Oh, the no, case we're be. privy. OK, we're then privy what did he actually and, do? And that's and that's and that's because Jim said it toward the end. Uh, exactly what the fallout was. And this is the part. Remember, I said uh, two things stood out to me. This is still part of the first not just the hazing and the traditional part, but they sat by and let it happen. And then when it happened, then they doled out their punishments. Right. Punishments being, for instance, because yeah. he was naming names. Mm-hmm. Scott yeah, Hall, obviously, Scott, Scott Hall was obviously gone. He had the alcohol problem before this flight. Flight obviously made it worse. And here's the thing. Scott Hall to this day still says. I was slip shit because I didn't drink like that on this flight. They got me on reputation. Right. Because they know that I had in the past. And when I was fucked up, they just said to themselves, well, he did it again. Here he goes again. Yep. Now, he did shit on that flight. He's not innocent. But we can't prove that he was that drunk because we don't know. But he was fired anyway. So it didn't matter. Mr. Perfect, Henning, fired. Gold dust. And he defended the he defended Goldust. He shouldn't have, because we find out later that there was more to the story than what even Jim knew. Hmm. But he was fired. That's why there you don't run fines. your mouth on there certain was, decisions that are made were, that you're not privy to. There were fines and there were suspensions all around, except for two. Only two the people, money makers. 
Well, that's debatable. Because the okay. first one that comes off that didn't get a single thing happen to him, and that's where a lot of people are upset about this, Ric Flair. Right, the moneymaker. Untouchable. Jim Ross literally said, I mean, he's a made man. There's nothing we really can do, which is bullshit, but that's what he said. The second person that apparently walked away, no issues at all whatsoever, is Brock Lesnar. Now, the future moneymaker. Yeah, the future moneymaker. Exactly that. They took the best in the past and the guy they knew would be their best in the future and left them alone. Yep. They took their else, head quarterback and their runner-up and they took care of him. Yeah. <clears throat> that's basically what they did. And people were like, Makes well, sense. wait a second. See, but see, that's my point. You see what you just said right there? It makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Because every company does that. No, I didn't say every, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, it just every, makes sense. Every so company works. does that. Vince didn't do anything that any other CEO from any other company from any other company would, would have do. done. Yep. Not any other sport. Not any, Pepsi would do the same thing. If they had a guy they knew was doing all kinds of great business for them, but, I don't know, had an Asian fetish off out to the side, they're going to the do one, their best to protect that guy. The one guy that comes into work late every single day but covers three departments on his own and never complains, guess what? I'm not writing him up. Yeah, yeah I'm not writing him up. That's and just that's the way businesses work, man, right. especially nowadays. Yep. And that's what happened there. And people were like, wait, no consequences at all whatsoever? No. And to be honest with you, if it didn't happen then, it ain't going to happen now. And I know one of the biggest phrases that came from a lot of defenders of this situation on social media was, well, I mean, are we really upset about something that happened 20 years ago? Yes. Yes, we are. Not all of it. See, that's the thing. You can't – there's no blanket statement. Am I mad about the fact that X-Pac didn't get a whole lot of consequences for cutting Michael Hayes' hair? No, I don't give a shit. It's hair. Do Am I upset that Dustin Runnels was using the backseat of an airplane to put his fucking spit in? No, it, I don't give a shit about that. The plane was cleaned years ago. I don't give a fuck. Am I upset about the fact that Ric Flair took his fucking dick out? And helicoptered it on top of a fucking stewardess's fucking hand and hip and breast. Yes, I'm still upset about that. There's no term limit on that. I don't understand the argument on that. Should he really be punished? It was 20 years ago. Are you fucking serious? Absolutely. They're not gonna because the WWE was smart enough to get that taken care of years ago. Right. So he ain't going to get consequences now. I don't think it to me personally it's not really about consequences because it was 20 years ago it's just let's just not let it happen again like like get, look we're aware this stuff happens now right women are right. talking way more now than they ever used to before which is obviously a good thing so can we just you know maybe help her next time somebody's trying to helicopter her? no but see here's the th- here's here's my like, here's what I'm trying to say that's all I'm looking for there's, there's nothing we can do about flare now Right, because 20 years has passed, and to be honest with you, they settled this years ago. Tommy, again, in in the worst possible way, he had a point. He just said it so wrong. There was a settlement that was made. She didn't go to court. She took the money. Right? Now, I mean, be honest with yourself, folks. How many times will you just go ahead and take the money? No, no but before you even go past that, in that scenario... And they described it very, uh, you know, deliberately in this thing about 
the no sell if you're not going to be able to sell it anyway, or if you know people aren't going to listen to you, yet they offer you money. I'm taking the money. It's got nothing to do with her being money hungry. It's like, look, yeah, her taking the money. Doesn't even mean it if happen. I scream to the top of the roof that somebody did this to me, they're all going to look at me crazy. I'm yeah. damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So if I'm just going to have to take this L anyway, I might as well take it with a payout. And that's what I don't think that devalues that person. I just think she made a smart business decision. Yeah, it also doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Right. This idea that, well, she took the money. It couldn't have been that bad. That's not right. right. Oh, she just did it for the money. No, dude. She just knew you weren't going to fucking listen. Yeah, she so she said, fuck it. I might as well get a house out of it. Yeah, she's not going to fucking win that battle. <clears throat> and look right. at the, this happened 20 years ago. And look at the people who defend it now. Oh, she was, you know, she she did Today, something. Yeah, exactly. The softest generation. Yeah. Or as, as they would describe yeah, it, the softest generation to ever exists. people exist. today who refuse to believe right. that she had no culpability at all whatsoever in what happened. What nah, do you think, it's Ric Flair. What you do wanted you, that hammer. Exactly. What do you think would have happened to her in a court of law in 2000? You know how many guys would be like, dude, I would have fucked them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Ric Flair. You touched that dick. Ric Flair, you touched that thing gently. Yeah, and like caress just, it like, just like a just, little baby bird. <laughs> yeah, nurse it back to let, let it grow that's, nice and big and strong. That's it. That's that's what they expect these women to do. Yep. And that's the second point that I took away from this, because like you just said, you just illustrated it just now. There's so many more women today who are speaking their mind and speaking up and letting it be known when people are being, you know, the way that they are they are used to being. You know, we, get, we have social media now where women share the screenshots, you know, the dick pics and the messages. Hey, baby. Hey, girl. You're so pretty. You did, did, did. And the dudes are like, well, I don't understand. He's just giving her a compliment. Really? 56 times between 8 a.m. and 829? 56 right. fucking compliments in a fucking row with no response? And then you block the individual and they make a new ca- account and come back and send me the same fucking messages. I'm supposed to just be complimented by how flattering is it that this dude sends me his Gumby like fucking paper straw ass dick in my fucking DMs religiously every Tuesday evening. Wow. Mm. What a lucky gal. Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking She's, Christ. She should be honored. She should be honored. Have you, you know how many people are subscribed to this dick? I'm giving it to you for free. How dare you? For free. You wench. It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. We've gotten better. There's some progress. There's people in the industry now, male-wise, who are having the conversation with other males. I'm not going to sit here and mansplain how women are being affected. No, I'm actually seeing in locker rooms dudes chastising and getting on top of other dudes for this behavior as they should not just online but in the locker room i'm gonna go to a locker room today that's gonna have quite a few beautiful women in it and there's a lot of wrestlers that are just waiting for one of you motherfuckers to just say some stupid shit and i got a guy oh man i wish i could remember his name i was new to the fed so i didn't really know all the names just yet there's one dude, I'll never forget it. He was having a private conversation with somebody. He was quiet. And it was like a group, maybe like three or four people. One female was in it, though. And they were saying something. And all of a sudden, the biggest dude in the group, he just starts yelling at this other dude. And he goes, let me ask you a question, motherfucker. He says this real loud, too. Like the whole locker room will stop talking. 
and I was like by a vending machine, and I did the whole "oh shit, wait a second. Oh, oh shit, shit. He said, somebody about to get open palmed. I feel yeah. it. He said, "Let me ask you a question, motherfucker." He said, "If you're, do you have a fucking sister?" He said, "Yeah." And he said, "If I walked up to your sister." And I said, oh, man, look at that outfit you got on right now, which led me to believe that maybe he said something about her gear. He said, let me see that outfit you got on right now. Girl, you look so fuckable in that. Would you be cool with me talking to your little sister and saying she's fuckable? And he said, no, but this ain't your fucking sister. He said, no, but he's somebody's. she's somebody's fucking sister. And since he's not here to fuck you up, I'm going to tell you right now, you do that shit again and I'm going to fuck you up. And I was like, well, goddamn. So, like next, that guy. so the next person I went up to, I said, listen, you look very respectful in your gear. You look <laughs> very nice. I respect you as a person. But that's the type of shit we're talking about. Locker room's getting better with this shit. This so when be. you hear stories like this being made public, it hurts more than it helps. It hurts more than it helps. And there was an episode that I did right after or before speaking out. I forgot what it was. Where I made this slogan. And I'm bringing it back here and let everybody know that our CD's Uncensored Mind, the podcast, still abides by this slogan. And it was P-Y-D-A. Put your dick away. Mm. This was during the speaking out stuff, and this is during when they had all Put the, it up. When they had the DMs and all these little boys and little girls as DMs and shit. Put your dick away. Your dick is not that fucking important. Like you can just bring up your dick in random conversation and it's fine. I've seen dudes do this to other dudes in the locker room. Just randomly. Just get changed, got their dicks out, and then they just start talking about their dicks. I don't care at all. Unsubscribe. <laughs> downvote. <laughs> report. Flag. I don't want to see your dick at all in general. It's a locker room, so I know at some point I'm going to see a few. But this does not no, have to No, no, I don't want to hear that shit no, no more. It's no. a locker room. There's ways around it. it. Fuck your know. locker room. Yeah, no, there's ways around it. But I'm just saying, there's some dudes, I'm telling you. Don't want to see your dick. This is no, their I moment the to shine. I do is, not want to see your a dick. Lot I dudes. don't care what setting we're in. <laughs> there's a Put lot of dudes where this is their moment. This is it. This is the time that they have. To get their dick out there into the world. Hey, I guys, just think more people need to be slapped, man. That's all. I'm literally I just concur. the rest of the revolution I'm coming to. I just think a lot of people say shit and you could tell they just haven't been slapped. Or fear of being slapped. Too That's comfortable. All. Too com- comfortable. Way too comfortable. Too comfortable. A lot of these <clears throat> motherfuckers are too comfortable talking about their dick, moving their dicks into people's business all the fucking time. Too fucking comfortable. My stop. my own experience alone, there's way too many people in this world that think I won't stab them right in their face. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to put that out to put that energy out there. But some dudes are just way too comfortable <laughs> with saying certain shit to certain people in this world, man. Oh, because they because you not around. Think you ain't going to hear it. Yeah. Like, I, I know where you at. I will come find you. I ain't going to take it there because ain't no need right now. But go ahead. People are crazy, man. They don't care if they're in a relationship or nothing, man. They shoot. Everyone just shoots. And then shooting is different now. They just taking their dicks out. I, I When you said that right now, you made me remember the, the fucking Ace Vane when he plays Darth Vader. And they were talking about the Popeye's chicken. 
He's oh like, oh, he's like, I want some Chick-fil-A. Nah, nigga, we getting Popeyes. He's like, man, I don't want no dry-ass, biscuit-ass Popeyes. <laughs> and then the other dude was like, yo, man, you need to chill. You know, you're talking to Vader. And he was like, no, let that nigga talk. <laughs> like he's like, fuck. I don't give a fuck about this dark ass penis head looking ass motherfucker. And he started using the force to choke him. And he was just like, oh, what happened? Oh, I can't hear you under the sound of all that fucking choking you were doing. <laughs> sound like you eating one of them dry ass biscuits he was talking about. Sound like he was choking. <laughs> they let him go. He was like, so what we eating? Nah, nigga, we eating Popeyes and this bum ass nigga's paying. <laughs> and he was choking his shit. He was choking his shit. shit. He goes, he goes, man, I ain't paying for shit. And he said, oh, this nigga's trying to get choked twice. <laughs> <laughs> Said, this dude's trying to get choked twice. Oh my god! So that's what I'm saying. Fear that that comfortability right there to just say it, just wild out with your mouth like nothing's gonna. Man, happen. people just don't care anymore, man. That's just what it comes down to, dude. My brothers and sisters of the locker room, I implore all of you: take care of each other. Fuck all. I'm gonna be forty. I'm one of the old niggas in the locker room. I'm telling you, fuck these old niggas. Take care of your fucking self. Put on the best show you can put on and play your fucking video games and do whatever it is you fucking want to do. That's it. Don't worry about any of these other motherfuckers. They ain't paying your bills. They're not, they're not putting money in your pocket. They're not taking care of you when you're sick. Nothing. This whole brotherhood bullshit. That's another thing, too. Oh, this wrestling business is a brotherhood. It is. When you got the right brothers beside you. If you a want a good, them. if you want good brotherhood and sisterhood, then you need to have good brothers and good sisters. Life is a brotherhood, not just wrestling. Yeah, so exactly. carry yourself that way. You'll be just fine. Exactly. Eliminate. You need to band together with your good brothers and sisters and eliminate the cancer. Hey. Stop sitting here and saying, well, you know, that's how it was back in the day. We ain't back in the day. It's 2021. Knock off all the bullshit. Cut that shit out. Stop. Stop. If you've been in the business 20 years and never been nowhere, then fucking either get out or behave yourself. Because you were guessing. Yeah, if you've been doing this for 20 years and you've been nowhere and you've done nothing and you're not going to go anywhere, you are now a guest. This ain't your mm. business no more. This ain't the business. This is not what the business was in 1999 and 2000. That's what 20 years would be. Of them getting into the business. About 20, about 1999, 2000, 2001, that's 20 years. This business is completely different from that. So if you're still doing this 20 years, working the indies, you are a guest. So be, wipe your feet when you come in and behave yourself. Or you're going to be shown out. The only promoters, that are, yeah, the only promoters who are booking you at this point are your friends. And once they retire, you're going to retire. So behave yourself. A lot of old people coming into the locker room talking all kinds of shit, not just towards the females. The guys get it too. Maybe not sexually, but they get their, they get their bullshit from these people too. I'm talking to y'all motherfuckers. Settle the fuck down. You are guests here. This is a young man's game. Young man, young woman's game. I know it too. Trust me. Every time I make the mistake of stepping into a training ring with some of these young heads, I get fucking mad as fuck. Because it feels like they're trying to hurt me on purpose. Because of y'all motherfuckers. So get your shit together, please. 
Anyway. Oh, all the young guys start whooping my ass. Yeah, because of y'all motherfuckers. I'm, a yeah. dis- I'm disassociating myself with these guys. I'm, I'm one of you guys. Yeah, and I feel for some of you females that are in this industry because I run into it all the time. A lot of these females feel like every every time you talk to them, you're hitting on them. It's like, listen, and I've told a few of my uh, contemporaries that I've worked with in the past, female-wise, I'm married and I'm happy. I ain't trying to fuck you. If I'm mm-hmm. talking to you, it's about something involved with what we're doing as far as work goes. Right. I ain't trying to fuck you. Mm-hmm. I got no interest in fucking literally any of you. No, I, no. I see who you roll with, and I'm good. Mm-mm. You can keep your situation to yourself. I'm fucking as soon as I get back. I don't need to. No, I'm good. I'm a patient man. I'm ready to go. Then my wife's usually good to go when I get back too, because she misses daddy when she's gone. When daddy's on, <laughs> when daddy's on the road, she marinates. Mm. So it stews to her perfection, like a, like a stew. <laughs> yeah, to perfection. And like the, a stew without her beef. Yep. And the one thing that she doesn't need that some of y'all might need is some of that premium vaginal tightening gel, which you can get live available on Amazon Prime right now. You can get it next day delivery. I got all those clips. I sent it to you. Did you see it? I started clipping stuff from some of the recent shows. I'm gonna I, put saw, them I saw some of them. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to put out some up, of the dude. other stuff. Like when we did the whole, uh, what was it, um, the Black History Month stuff and uh, some of the other stuff. I clipped that out. Uh, I'm going to be putting some of that stuff up on the YouTube channel. So you guys can enjoy some some uh, some specific clips. If you don't have time to listen to the whole deal, you can still laugh your ass off at some of the other bullshit we was coming up yeah, with. Yeah, some of the silly shit. <laughs> uh, I actually was rolling a little bit. What was it? Give her the Yiggy when I was talking about banging Steph. And I was just like, good. Thanks for the pussy, jackass. Oh, and was just shit. Like <laughs> Whoa. And I was just like, yeah. See, but I can make those jokes because I'm making it about a person who's in on the joke. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, that's my, fair. My wife so these is, are so these are the rules. Yeah. Oh, you have consent to make that yeah, joke. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm making okay, pussy oh. jokes about pussy that said that I can make the pussy jokes. Okay, good you enough. should well, hear the fair. jokes that she's got. Oh, dirty, dirty ass motherfucker over here. You should see uh-huh. the, the dick shit she be talking about over here. Oh. Don't let them get comfortable. They just as just as bad as us. That's what I'm saying. They just, that's but that's the thing we're talking about here, though. With the Sesame Street, the word of the day is consent. That's the <laughs> word of the day. Because you know you can joke, but they got to be in on the fucking joke, man. They got to be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, my pussy does need tightening, just like your dick needs lengthening, like something like Ooh. that, you know? Got him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Viagra taking ass, motherfucker. Yeah, oh so yeah, God. so you gotta you gotta feel you gotta be in the room, man. You gotta be the vibe. Women are not prudes; they can joke too. You just gotta, you know, you gotta be in on it together, man. You can't just start ragging on a girl out of nowhere and she don't fucking know you. you ever? That's not even a girl thing. You ever had somebody you just met, guy or girl, doesn't matter, and they just start joking with you like they know you. And instead of laughing, you just get irritated. You're like, no. <laughs> Let's take it a step back. Have you ever met somebody who don't know you at all and just start talking to you? <laughs> Oh, God. It's the fucking worst. Oh, my God. And I'm not talking about, like, at work or at an event or something. Man, the event's kind of pushing it, too. But, like, just standing at the bus stop waiting, and then someone just starts talking about their life. So just like, bro, why are you talking to me? Just leave me alone. I don't care if I drop the $20 bill. Just pick it up when I walk away. Don't talk to me. 
that that twenty dollars for you to keep your silence. Just leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> that would be the most disrespectful. Like, I can't even begin to know tell you how much I would laugh if something if somebody was talking to you. And instead of responding, you just slip them a 20 and just, just leave me alone, bro. Just shut the fuck up. Just you see me? Alone. If you ever see me, just don't talk to Cross me. Cross the street, Please, just leave me alone. <laughs> Go the no, other you can, way. You can stand right next to me. I don't care. Just don't say words to me. Please, just I don't know don't you. Don't say words to I don't me. care about your life. Oh, I don't man. care about what bad is happening or good is happening. Just leave me the fuck alone. <sighs> Jesus. I felt compelled to do something about this because it really fucked me up. But... I got it all out. I do feel a whole lot better. Next week, I'm looking at this now. Next oh, week uh, is the, f- the, 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 the October 1st, 2nd, or whatever. So that's next week, two weeks from now. So either the 9th or the 10th, we're going to go live for the four-year anniversary. Two weeks. I'm undecided as to which day specifically we should do it. I okay. guess what's better for you, Saturday, right? Because you're off. We, what day was better yeah. for live to go live? Friday, Saturday, Saturday, or Saturday, if that's the case, yeah. Saturday, okay. So yeah, so then that will that's what we'll do. Sat October 9th. Wait a minute. I have to double. Okay, go ahead. No, get back. If you have to get back to me, just let me know. Right. right. So do you have to get back to me, or are we good with the night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, you have to get back to me. Yes, we're good. Yes, with yes. You asked the question. I said yes. Okay, so you'll get back to me. Okay, all right. Why are you still confused? Because I have two options you, on the table. Do you, want, do you want apples? Yes. So do you want apples? So you'll get back to me on the ninth. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, all right. So yes. we'll leave that open. But that weekend uh, will be the four-year anniversary when we get our date situated. I guess we'll make the date official on social media um, just to start promoting it because it's the four-year anniversary. I got two weeks. Next week, I'm gonna we're gonna do a cleanse. Ooh, we're gonna do a cleanse next week. Actually, I'm looking at this all weird. It's not next week. Where's two weeks? There's three weeks to the ninth. So it's the 25th, the second, and then the ninth. So three weeks. So we got two weeks. But I'm still gonna cleanse. Next week, this week is gonna be the cleanse we were supposed to do today. I'm not doing anything wrestling related next week. <laughs> Nothing. So I'll come up with the new stuff that I want to talk about, and then we'll just do something else for this week. No wrestling this week. I'm taking a break because between all the shit we just talked about, now we're talking about fucking helicopter dicks and hammers, and I'm good. I need a break from this craziness for a little bit. Plus, I'm getting really out of my fucking system because I got my show today, and I have a feeling I'm going to be hitting somebody with a chain today. Oh. I have a feeling. Okay. Call Call it a gut instinct. I think I'm hitting somebody with a chain today. But I digress. We'll figure that out. But I will thank everybody for being a part of today's show. This was, I don't want to say fun, but it was definitely <laughs> entertaining, I guess. Right, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Informative. We were trying to make it as interesting as we could, but the, t- the subject matter doesn't allow a lot for that. It's a pretty serious topic of conversation, and I didn't want to do 90 minutes of just straight dramatic talk. So right. we spoke on it. We're very serious about what we're talking about it, but we tried to have a few laughs in the middle. We did the best that we fucking could with the topic. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for downloading. And of course, obviously, thank you guys for enjoying episode 200 and something. I lost count and I put myself on the spot. Anyway, fuck it. We'll see you next week. This is my daddy's 200th episode. If you'd like to sew, buy some mugs, t-shirts, mugs, tank tops, beats to house.
phone cases. Go to H-A-O-U-N.com. This is my daddy's 200th episode. This still keeps him busy. And he's not playing with me. So stop listening. But, but he's actually going to be so I won't fight. <laughs>